I was upset. I didn't think I had what it takes. It took a while to admit anything was wrong. Diet and exercise sounded intimidating. But small easy goals made it easy to start. Every situation is different. There are many paths to victory, but the end goal is all the same. This is the Weight Loss Podcast with Matt and Courtney, a couple who committed to a strategy and lost a combined 100 kilograms. When it comes to weight loss, you don't just need encouragement, you need a strategy. Hello and welcome to the Weight Loss Podcast. My name is Courtney and as always next to me is Matt. Hello. And we're very excited for this episode today. I think we say that every time we do an episode. We're very excited for it. But no, you say that every well, time. Well, I say it. We are very excited for today's episode, though. We are talking all about ourselves. So that's our favorite <laughs> topic to talk about. Um, but we are talking about our kitchen. The kitchen? Yes. What's that got to do with weight loss? Well, not very much, doesn't, if you ask the, most people. Doesn't it all happen in the gym? It is. It does. Yes. Isn't it all about... You know, doing more and more exercise and just don't eat food, bro. Uh, Have I got it right? Fasting cardio. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm. So I want to lose weight, so I'll do three hours a day of cardio and I won't eat any food. Yeah. What do you think? You got me, coach? You with me? Yeah, definitely. So (laughs) obviously the kitchen is very important. I think we've said it in uh, multiple, multiple previous episodes Food is very, very, very important in terms of weight loss. So today we're going to go through our kitchen and what we like to cook at the moment, what sort of cooking methods we enjoy and... How we uh, store things. Yeah. just How give, we lay things out. A and bit also of an a bit of a contrast versus what it used to be. Yeah, absolutely. Because in the end, when you think about it, an effective exercise program should be about 3% of your week. Yes. So what are you doing for the other 97%? Yeah. So uh, one of the reasons why we wanted to touch on this topic is to address the other 97% because, you know, that's a pretty big number. Yeah, it's pretty important. Mm. Um, so yes, definitely definitely needs to be focused on, I think, a lot more than it is. And the kitchen itself, when we're talking about focusing on healthy eating or watching what you eat, I think then a lot of people don't even move on to focusing on their kitchen. Well you that. ask you ask the average person that wants to lose weight, you know, where are you gonna get the most results? The answer is off oh, the gym. Yeah. It's the it's the boot camp sessions. It's the PT sessions. No, it's not. The exercise is a fantastic stimulus for change, but everything you do once you leave the gym dictates what you get from the gym. Absolutely. In terms of what goes into your body, obviously things like sleep, etc. But in this case, we're talking about what Courtney and I like to call the environment for success, which is actually your kitchen, which for a lot of people is just a gigantic shit fight. Yes. It's yes. set up to be anything other than a place for preparing your results. Yes. Yeah, for a lot of people, it is definitely not a helpful area of the house. So, no, it could be like a storage area. Yeah, definitely. Or, Random storage. Well, you've just got things in there that, that is not, not necessarily going to help you towards your goals. So 
uh, for well, one reason or another. it ties into the rule of proximity, doesn't it? If it's yeah, nearby, you leave it. The rule of proximity and also a lot of this sort of um, stuff when you're talking about kitchen and eating, a lot of it comes back to habits as well. So a couple... Didn't we do... A few weeks ago, we did a two-part uh, episode series on habits. So definitely check that out if you haven't already. And um, you have, check it out again. But Matt, let's kick into this. So what is our first topic... Um, or subtopic on this topic to hit. That was a long way to a short destination. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> well, uh, I want to start with a question for you, dear. Yes. Give us a description of what your kitchen used to be. Oh, my kitchen used to be. Well, when I was obviously growing up, I lived with my parents. When I first met Matt, I still lived with my parents. So I lived with my parents up until I was in my early 20s. And I shared the house with them and my uh, other younger siblings. So I had two younger siblings who also lived at home uh, during that time. Um, My elder siblings had moved out by then. I'm one of six kids. So growing up, there was eight of us in the house. Your parents like each other. And um, my three older sisters all, excuse me, got married and moved out. And when I was, by the time I hit sort of um, my early, early uh, 20s, I was home with just my two younger siblings. So it was just the five of us then in the house. But at the same time, then it still meant that um, there was a whole wide variety of food that was happening in our kitchen. Uh, I did eat a lot of takeaway food and that was mostly as well during the day because I was, had a job where I was out on the road traveling from place to place so I would pick up food while I was out so I did eat a lot of takeaway food and then you come home at night and sometimes we would have takeaway for dinner and then other times my mum would cook food but I would very very rarely ever cook so I would go with that old sort of theory of I don't know how to cook so I'm not going to cook never even really tried to cook I did toast um, would you call that an excuse? Oh yeah, it was definitely an excuse. Yeah, I like, would. well, when you say I don't know how to cook, but I've never actually tried to cook, well, it's pretty easy to call that an excuse, I would say. Well, you don't um, really know anything when you're first born, apart from what crying, breathing, correct. and shitting. <laughs> correct. So that's that was my excuse, I think, to often have takeaway food, um, unless my mum was home to cook dinner for the family and you know my parents worked multiple jobs so it wasn't they weren't always home so that was where I sort of had the excuse often of just having takeaway food I think Um, and then when I did meet Matt and I started to actually focus on what I was eating I was still living at home with my parents so I had to make a decision to how do I incorporate my my new eating habits into my household so it was um, a case of me just having to get over myself and start to cook um, which I did I started to cook all my own food I worked out with my family that I was going to take one shelf in the in the fridge and one shelf in the pantry and they were going to be my shelves and I would buy my own food and I would cook my own food and I would store it on those two shelves and my family knew just not to touch that food because it was my food. Um, And they would take up the rest of the fridge with whatever they wanted, the rest of the pantry. Now, of course, that meant that there was still going to be food in the house that 
wasn't going to help me towards my goals. Um, and I couldn't control that because it's not my house. So all I could control was what went on my shelves and, um, and just eat that food. So that was obviously a bit of a challenge at that time, but I was able to focus, yeah, on, on what I was doing and cook my food. And I think I was only there, Matt, uh, then for about, how long were we, were we there for? Only a few months after that, mm. before we moved out. Yep. So then obviously moving out into our own house meant that I could control literally every single bit of food that came into the house. How did you go with the rule of proximity at that time? I was definitely really hard. Growing up, my, my parents always kept a lolly um, jar on the table, on the dining table, and they would constantly keep it filled up with lollies. So usually Saturday mornings was my parents' uh, shopping day. And my dad actually usually went and did the grocery shopping. So my dad would go and do the grocery shopping and he would come home with lollies because my dad is a massive sweet tooth like I am. So he would come home with lollies and fill up the lolly jar. And I remember always asking my mum why she did that. And she told me this story about when we were kids and um, we had a, a birthday party and friends would come over and stuff their pockets full of lollies because obviously their parents wouldn't let them have lollies. So my mum was mortified by the thought that we would go out to somebody else's party or something and have to feel like we had to stuff lollies in our pockets um, because we weren't allowed to have them. So she always kept this lolly jar on the table so we could have a lolly whenever we wanted it, which was great. Um, but as I got older, I found myself eating more and more of them. I think when I was younger, it wasn't necessarily a big deal. Um, but as I got older, I did find myself going more and more towards them. It became a big habit. Like whenever you went to mum and dad's house, you had lollies because they were on the on the table. Um, and they were obviously a big sweet tooth. So there was always lollies or chocolate or, you know, bits and pieces in the house. So the rule of proximity was really difficult. I found that the, the hardest thing. When my family would have takeaway food for dinner or something, I didn't find that as hard because I always had food there for myself for dinner. But it was more so the snacking on the sweets and that sort of thing that I found really difficult. So I would try to counteract that by I would buy myself dark chocolate and keep it in the fridge because I knew none of my family members would eat it because they didn't like it. Um, and I didn't like it at the start. I thought it tasted like cardboard. It's an acquired taste. But the more and more I ate it, the more that I started to like it. So then I was able to keep that in the fridge. So if I felt like um, that I need, wanted something sweet to snack on, I would grab a piece of dark chocolate um, and then I thought that was always going to be better than snacking on milk chocolate at the time. And then I slowly was able to cut that down um, from doing that. So it was sort of a, a slow sort of having to try to slowly stop doing that sort of snacking on sweets at my parents' house. But it definitely was um, very challenging and it took a really long time. So I made a lot of mistakes um, during that time by snacking on food that I shouldn't have snacked on and things like that. But you know, ultimately, it was um, it was just something I had to go through to learn how to pull back. Mm. What about you, Matt? Yeah. What did you? What was your kitchen living situation like before we met? Uh, well, I was much like yourself, where didn't cook, mm. so just relied on what the parents would make, and then would uh, the rule of proximity was in effect, so any junk food that was in the house would be eaten. 
and I would contribute to that by adding to the junk food stock in the house. So there's just a, a bevy of choices with which to gorge myself on. I didn't really think about the thought of, of learning how to cook until I realized I have to take control here for myself. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so a very similar situation to you, Courtney, where I used the I don't cook as an excuse just to eat whatever was in front of me. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And then when I when I sort of had my snap point and realized, you know, I've got to I've got to take charge of this, uh, things started to change. Mm-hmm. So I know for me, from my own personal experience, whenever someone says to me, oh, I don't know how to cook. Well, fucking no one does until you learn. Yeah. I I couldn't cook for shit for, you know, 25, 26, 27 years of my life. And now I can cook, but Mm. that's just through repetition and practice. So it was just straight up what was in the house would be eaten and what was in the house mostly was crap. Yeah. So over time, I started to change what was available to me. And so I just, you know, worked on my own without realizing at the time, worked on my own rule of proximity. So started changing what was nearby for me to eat. So I wasn't so much focused on cutting out junk. It was more replacing it. Mm. Replacing it because I also am a bit of an epic sweet tooth. So I, at the start, was working on replacing, you know, my love of chocolate and lollies with fruits yeah different kind of for me particularly uh, tropical fruits mm. I'm a massive fan of them and then over time as you know you build up the habits what, you, what you're eating becomes normal and then your taste buds change yes and the things that you may not have liked in the past you start to like and it goes the other way around for foods that you do like, you start to lose the taste for. Yeah, absolutely. Best example I'll give for myself is the vegetable pumpkin, mm. which I hated with a passion for most of my life growing up. Just didn't like the taste of it. Now it's my favorite vegetable bar none. Mm. I can't get enough of it. Yeah, there was plenty of, plenty of um, vegetables I hated growing up, which I soon decided that I needed to eat and it was okay. Yeah. And when I first started, you know, putting it on myself to do some cooking, I was very sort of bare bones. Yeah. As I think you should be when you first start something, just keep it simple. So it was just like, you know, let's learn how to cook a steak. Yeah. Let's learn how to to cook a chicken fillet. Yep. And my vegetables at the time, like I first started by boiling them. Yes. Which I don't recommend. No. Ever. I'm not a fan of anything anything boiled except eggs. Yes. Now, um, but that's that's how I learned at the start. And then I also realized that I would overboil them and my vegetables would be a, a discolored mush. <laughs> not not really tasty. And as I've learned over time, not very nutritious. No. Uh, the, more, the more sort of vibrant color in the vegetables, the, the more nutrients it's packing. And I would just cook it out of it. Uh, then I sort of evolved to steaming. Oh, yeah. Steaming the vegetables, which uh, worked quite well. Mm. Uh, but for me, it was also rather bland in terms of my vegetable selection at the time wasn't as varied as it is now. But, you know, everything everyone's got to start somewhere. 
and it just sort of you know developed from there to to where we are now yeah absolutely and I think that's a pretty good opportunity to to segue because we, we discussed you know what it used to be for us but the episode title is our kitchen so let's have a bit of a chat about how our kitchen is right now yeah so Courtney I'll, I'll let you start here from from your perspective how is our kitchen arranged in terms of the way the way it's organized and how does the rule of proximity work now well, the rule of proximity is is quite an easy answer is that we don't buy anything that we're not going to consume so every time we go to the supermarket we go to the supermarket with sort of the knowledge that anything we put in our trolley that we are going to eat well, it's also a list there's also a list. So if there's things that are unnecessary, then they don't go on the list. Um, the only sort of time we would buy things out of the norm would be like if we're going to be entertaining, if we're going to have be having people over for dinner, something like that, in which case we would still make a really nice, um, nutritious dinner. But we also might have maybe, um, I might put together a bit of a cheese board or something like that to have um, before dinner or something like that, some cheese and some nuts and, and things like that. So, uh, yeah, it, 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 but it's all kept uh, mostly the same week to week So for us. So we have a list of what we need. We're creatures of habit. We like the food that we like to eat. So it makes it shopping easy for us because generally most weeks it's going to be the same sort of food that we have. Um, in terms of the layout of the physical layout of our kitchen, we have all of the same stuff. I think that everyone else has in a kitchen where we have, um, just a simple oven. It's nothing massive. It's just a normal, um, sized oven. We've got a four burner gas, uh, stove top. We have a microwave and that's sort of the, the main big things. But then we've also added to that by we have two slow cookers. That's two slow cookers. Two slow cookers. We have an electric fry pan. Big slow cookers too. Yeah, they're two big slow cookers. We've got an electric fry pan. Um, which Rice we don't, cooker. Which we don't use the, the electric fry pan as much anymore. We used to use it in our old house a lot because the stove in our old house was garbage. Um, whereas the stove top in this house is fantastic. So we don't tend to have to use it as much, but it's definitely good to have if you want to make big, big batches of things like that. If you've got people coming over Although or something like that. Our little friend outside on the deck replaces the electric cooktop too. oh yeah that's right we'll that. so um that's right and what was the other thing you just said matt i've got a rice cooker a rice cooker yes we do have a rice cooker um which also does quinoa quite well yeah we've got a toaster we don't really eat toast um very often uh but it's also just something good to have again if we've got people coming over or in the off chance if we're having um some sort of um I don't know, meal that requires toast. Um, what else? What are the big sort of things do we have? All just all your pots and pans, saucepans, fry pan, um, kettle. We also have a blender. So one of those, um, it's not a Nutribullet, but it's not that brand, but it's like that. It's so like a magic bullet, yeah. it's like it's a magic a bullet. bullet sort yeah. of thing, like a blender. So we can make smoothies and things like that in there. Um, and then Matt has a soda stream machine, which Ooh, is yeah. um, a machine that turns regular water. Oh, you're going to do it. He's going to open it. I'll drink to that. He just spilled his water everywhere. So that's 
That's funny because he was trying to be clever. Um, that yeah, it just it's a machine that uh, turns your regular water into soda water. So Matt really enjoys having soda water. Um, so we have that machine on our bench, and we have the world's greatest barbecue. Yes, we have a Weber. Um, I don't know whether he's Weber, an international brand. That's a very good question. I don't know whether a Weber is an international brand. For those of you in Australia, you'll know what a Weber is. Um, but it is a barbecue. And here in Australia, we love to barbecue. <laughs> I don't know whether it's as big in other countries. You guys can probably tell me whether it is or not. But in Australia, we love to barbecue. So the Weber is a barbecue that has a big lid on it. Yeah, it's in, and, it's in America. Oh, it is in America. Yeah. So it sort of acts as a bit of an oven. So you put your food in there and it, um, it just cooks it fantastically. And it has a bit of a drip tray. So it allows all the fats and, and nasties to drip off the meat. So um, that, that is, is fantastic. That's my best friend. Yeah, thing. we use that every week. So we have a natural gas line that comes into our house uh, for the barbecue. So we are never going to be without gas for our barbecue and it is used a lot. A great way to sort of bulk prepare proteins. Mm. So I, I do cook a lot of uh, chicken uh, and our sort of homemade hamburgers on there. Yes. But I've also uh, put pork on there. Yeah, we've done roast roast lamb yeah, on there. It's that thing's worth every cent. We did corn. Um, yep. Put so, so you can put vegetables on there. Um, yeah, there's just so much stuff you can do with it. It's a really easy and um, um, practical way of cooking up lots of food at one time. So those are sort of all the big sort of items that are in our kitchen. We're also fortunate with our kitchen to have a lot of storage. We've got a lot of storage. We've got a lot of bench space. So we try to keep the bench nice and clear when we're not preparing stuff. But there's also a lot of space there when it comes to preparing Have it look food. like an actual kitchen and yeah. function as one. Yeah. We've got a lot of storage space. So we've got one cupboard. We keep all of our um, our plastic containers. Um, which there no, are a lot. Which there are a lot. And I probably could keep them neater. But I think that that just is it like... Works. I think everybody can relate to their plastic container cupboard being a disaster zone. It starts, it starts um, organized and within a week... You're like trying to like you're reaching, find... You're you're trying grab, to find you just the grab right whatever's top, there. Trying to find the right lid and it's just a disaster. Anyway, um, we also have a separate cupboard where we keep our slow cookers and uh, the cooker. toaster and the rice cooker and the electric fry pan, that sort of thing, so that can stay off the bench. So the reason we have two slow cookers is because, A, it's not a very expensive item to buy no so we've you can pick them up these days for a really reasonable price and especially often if you can get them on sale as well um and the reason we have two of them obviously is that it just allows us to bulk cook more food if if we're in the mood for cooking something in the slow cooker so even though week to week we tend to eat the same things we're creatures of habit however every so often we do like to switch it up because you know because you can because you can, and you can try something different. So even though we might have chicken every week, we might, every few weeks, we might change up the method that we cook the chicken. So we might go through a phase where we cook it in the slow cooker. So being able to have both slow cookers on, it just means that we can cook two kilos of chicken instead of one, and it just makes the whole process a lot easier. Um, 
You can also get two different um, meals, not really meals, but two different recipes going at once. Yeah, definitely. So two lots of slow cookers at the one time, you can pretty much for one person have upwards of a week's worth of base meals ready to go. Yeah, you might in one of them you might do like a we might do like a beef sort of style stew, and in the other one we might do a bit of like a chicken casserole. So mm. um, it gives us good variety then for the next uh, week of meals. They're also, I think, they're a good way to learn how to cook when you're not very good at it. Yeah, because it takes. The, the, I think the biggest skill when it comes to the slow cooker is chopping. Well, it's just really about the flavors you're putting in there. Yeah. And the good thing also I found about the slow cooker, excuse me, is that you really can't mess it up that much because I've made recipes as well where I've thought that it was going to be really good. I've come back and I've tried it when it's done and the flavor is just not there. Like, don't know what happened, but it's just not there. But you can always fix it. So you can just leave it in the slow cooker, add some extra flavors to it, Give it a little bit of time to sort of infuse and soak in. Go back, try it again and see whether you like now the flavors. It's the same sort of thing if you feel like you've over flavored something or if you've put too much spice in or if it's too um, uh, got too much heat in terms of spice for your taste buds. You can always add something to it to sort of balance it out. So that is um, the really good point you make, Matt, about the slow cooker where you really can't stuff it up. Because well, you can always fix it. Well, actually, you can. How? And I have. Where I've... At our old place, there was one time where I left it on, I think, an extra day longer than I had to. We went out and mm. we came back and the thing was charcoal. Yeah, well, if you leave it on, then yes, that is when you can stuff it up. So so don't leave it on. But the best thing I'm is... Gonna, I wouldn't say it's foolproof. The best thing with the slow cooker for a lot of people is the convenience. And that was what we've found in the past as well. So the convenience of just being able to put everything in the one pot and walk away. So whether you're out at work and you put it on in the morning before you leave and you come home and you've got dinner already ready. Uh, Sometimes we've left it on overnight too. So I've put it on before bed. Uh, Yeah, we put it on before bed on low and wake up in the morning and it's done. And a very so, nice smell in the house. Yeah. So you've definitely got some options with the slow cooker where you don't actually have to physically stand there in the kitchen cooking things and supervising the cooking process. So that is why we have two slow cookers because often it is definitely the most handy way for us to prepare food. How else do you prepare some of your meals? What do you use? I use a sort of a variety at the moment of different methods. So I roast a lot of my vegetables. So I'll put, um, chop up fresh, a lot of vegetables, put them on roasting trays, whack them in the oven. Um, I do that with pumpkin and sweet potato as well. So um, beetroot. So the pumpkin, I sort of add in on there at the moment, just sort of some mixed herbs, put it in the oven to roast off. Um, the sweet potato, I sort of, uh, chop up into cubes, put them on a, a, um, roasting tray and cinnamon actually mm. works so well with incredible. sweet potato. Get on it. You Make wouldn't it think that it does, but it actually works incredibly well. It's, so it's amazing. I highly recommend sweet potato, with um, with cinnamon. So they work really well. And then other times I'll just do a really big roasting tray full of capsicum, zucchini, eggplant, and I'll chop all that up, put it in a roasting tray and put it in the oven. So those sort of things are great. Our oven, which I also love, is the fact that it's got a timer. I think most, I think all new 
uh, ovens are all sold now that have timers. I'm not sure about all the older um, model ones, but if you do have a newer style oven, it will have a timer. I recommend using it. It is definitely a lifesaver for me. I get distracted in the kitchen and it just goes off. And what will happen is it will, when our timer goes off, it shuts off the oven. So it will... That is foolproof. If I forget that it's on, I know that it's going to shut it off. So that is definitely a lifesaver for me. Can I also, on the subject of roasting vegetables, just give some love to your incredible garlic Brussels sprouts. Yeah. So Brussels sprouts are one of those vegetables a lot of people say that they don't like, but they often haven't tried. Because um, well, You know what? It's because they're gross. They, I don't actually mind Brussels sprouts. I think if you like cabbage, then you would like Brussels sprouts. I think if you don't like the taste of cabbage, then you will hate Brussels sprouts. Would you have them raw? No, no one would have them raw, though. Okay, so um, the best way I've found to cook Brussels sprouts, which is to cut the bottom off them, um, peel off sort of the outer leaves that are sort of wilted and gross, um, often I'll chop them in half, put them on a roasting tray and uh, sprinkle on some garlic salt um, and whack them in the oven that way, roast them off. Sometimes you can always add in a few cherry tomatoes on the roasting tray too and roast them off at the same time and it uh, it just gives that really nice taste to them. Um, but they are obviously an acquired taste. Um, but what I do is I, I also use the stove for a lot of my food prep as well. Um, I cook sort of stir fries on the stove. I've got part of my pots and pans sort of um, cupboard. I've got a big wok in there. So I um, will cook off sort of chicken with some marinade in a uh, fry pan and then put all the vegetables in the big wok and then I'll transfer the chicken into the wok as well. Cook that off and it's a really simple, easy sort of big bulk meal to, really to prepare. Um, so yeah, I use a lot of the stove, a lot of the oven and then sometimes obviously the uh, barbecue. Matt, you I think are about the same. You use those three items um, the most. Uh, I will... I put a lot of my stuff together to stir fry it. So I will bulk prepare 99% of my sort of protein sources now on the barbecue mm. because it's easy and it just tastes amazing. Yeah. And I personally am, as, as Courtney used to exercise, I am to cooking. Yeah. I get no pleasure out of it in terms of I don't, there's no sort of creative juices that flow when I'm doing any sort of cooking. To me, it is just a job. Uh, and it's a job that I need to do to achieve a certain task. Mm. So for me personally, I am a fan of finding ways to get in, get out as quickly as possible without compromising on what I'm having, but also making sure what I'm having tastes good and I want to have it and I want to have more. Mm. So I may not particularly enjoy my time in the kitchen, but I enjoy what comes as a result of it. So I look for... Um, the laziest possible way out of it without compromising you know, what my goals are and what I'm working towards. Mm. So the barbecue comes in handy for that because I can cook up so much at once. And just the, the taste of the different kinds of meats, etc. off that Weber is, that's just something else. That's the best <laughs> barbecue I've ever used by a mile. Uh, and if our, if our house caught on fire, that might be the first thing I go and grab. <laughs> Just saying. 
And then what I'll often do is I'll, I'll cook up uh, all the, the meats, etc., on the barbecue and store them in containers in the fridge. I don't, I personally don't freeze my food just because I eat it so bloody fast. Mm. So it, it sits quite nicely in the fridge. And then what I will do is when I need some, I'll grab it out and mix it with vegetables. Now, I um, am currently very happy with mixes of frozen vegetables frozen vegetables just as nutritious uh, as fresh vegetables don't be fooled uh, and however I used to make the mistake of microwave thawing frozen vegetables to to mix with my my meat and protein sources and it is fucking heinous mm-hmm. it's disgusting even if um, I then tried to let my my frozen vegetables thaw in the fridge overnight, also disgusting. However, stir frying frozen vegetables out of the packet, and I use just a, a pinch of uh, sesame oil to run through it with a little bit of a, like a half a teaspoon of chili paste. Once the the vegetables sort of thaw off uh, in the pan, they taste incredible. Mm. They taste amazing. So I, because of part of my loathing of being in the kitchen, I don't have much patience to stand there and chop vegetable after vegetable. I just get the frozen packet and just dump it out. Yeah. And so I put like a giant medley of, of different frozen vegetables in there, grab the protein sources that I previously cooked on the barbecue, put it into the container, put it in the pan, a teaspoon, half teaspoon chili paste, pinch of sesame oil and then as it starts to sort of warm up and in case the vegetables thaw off uh, put the salt and pepper on there and stir it through and I've got a incredibly colourful textured varied meal in three four minutes flat yeah and I love the taste of it so I can sustain it yeah um, you know energy levels feel great everything's everything works well so I stick with it but at the moment, that is the sort of the way I do things most of the time. Uh, the only sort of way that gets alternated is if something has come out of the uh, slow cooker. Yeah. Uh, or if uh, I'm feeling particularly naughty and I pinch some of your roast vegetables. Yeah, that is naughty. But we'll leave that for a different discussion. Yes. <laughs> um, so basically, as well, I just wanted to cover, while we're still on the topic of how we prepare our food... There's really no right or wrong way, as Matt mentioned, frozen vegetables are just as nutritious as fresh vegetables. Really all it comes down to is your personal preference on how you like to eat. 100%. So Matt enjoys just having the frozen vegetables. So that works out really well. It works out economically well for us because he obviously eats a lot more than I do. Um, So... Well, can I just say, I love fresh veg. I love it. I just have no interest in standing there chopping and dicing vegetables. Well, that's right. So in terms of the way it would work for us, it it would take a lot more time. It would take a lot more money because obviously you can buy a bulk in um, frozen vegetables cheaper usually than you can buy fresh ones. Mm. Um, The time it would take for me to stand there and chop all of Matt's vegetables up that he needs for the week um, or even just a couple of days worth and then have to do that every few days, it would just not be worth it. Um, Too you, hard basket. We would do it. I would do it and we would do it if Matt didn't like 
frozen vegetables. Um, but since he does, it works out in terms of saving time and saving money more beneficial well, for us just to allow him I just, to <laughs> eat the frozen ones. I just found a way to make them really tasty. Yeah. That's all it is. So if you said to me, you know, what would you prefer, fresh veg or frozen just thawed out of the packet like it's fresh all day? Yeah. But just this method of stir frying the frozen vegetables, I can't tell the difference. Yeah. So... I'll stick with it. So it's perfect. So it works out perfectly that, that way. For myself, I rarely use frozen vegetables. I, I never see you use them. I use them in my omelets, um, but that's pretty much the only time I use them. I'm really not a fan of frozen vegetables. I've tried Matt's method of cooking them and I still don't enjoy them. And that's just a personal preference. So for myself, I then stand in the kitchen and I chop up the vegetables and I have to go through the process of cooking them all and things like that. So yes, it's more time intensive, but you know, I do that because it's my choice to eat that way. Well, so also you can sustain it. Yeah. And I can sustain it and it's easier for you, us. And you like the outcome. Yeah. So, so that way, you know, we're two people living in the same house and we prefer our vegetables cooked two different ways. So, you know, not everyone is going to want things cooked the exact same way and that's fine. Um, frozen vegetables are fine. Fresh, fresh are, fine. are fine. It comes down to personal preference, what you can sustain. Yeah. Um, there's no point like. forcing yourself to try to do the frozen stuff if you really hate it. And then eventually you're just going to give up because you, you don't want to live like eating well, it feels like food a diet. that you hate. It feels like a diet. Exactly. So eat food that you enjoy eating. So pick a method that you really enjoy. Um, We've known some people that don't like to eat the same thing as often as we do, um, and that's fine as well. You can change it up. You can experiment, try different recipes. There's so many different recipes out there. Matt and I tend to be creatures of habit, so we eat the same thing very often. Um, Matt can usually eat the same thing without changing for a really long time, um, actually. I tend to get bored more uh, or sooner than Matt gets bored, so I will change up my food uh, a little bit sooner than you will, Matt. I don't know how often we change up our food. I can't even think right now. Maybe every couple of months? Maybe. Maybe. But, yeah, but I, I, again, there's no really right or wrong way there. As long as you've got good variety and within your week and you are happy with the food you're eating, there's not really any right or wrong reason to say you have to make every meal different. No, you, you have your staples. Yeah. You have your staples and those staples need to be enjoyable. They need to make you feel good in terms of healthy, energetic uh, performance and recovery. And obviously, this is the weight loss podcast. They should, you know, extend themselves towards helping with weight loss. So I found that for me personally, once I got into a rhythm of like, okay, I've got this massive medley of flavors and textures in my foods it just becomes a lot easier to sustain it because I enjoy what I have on a daily basis. So I would say for a lot of people, I am a boring eater. You, you might well, you might think I'm a boring eater, but what I have, I bloody love. And I think that's the most important thing. Like at the end of the day, as long as you like what you're eating, which means you can sustain it and it's working for your body, um, then, then great. All right. So next question for you there, Dia. How do you store your food? 
So storage is one that we get asked about a lot, Matt, don't we? So yes. there's there's different methods of storing food out there. So some people really enjoy the method of pre-cooking a lot of food and freezing it, which works out for a lot of people really conveniently. They love it. it it's great rhythm for them. They only have to do a big cook up sort of once every week or once even every two weeks. Um, so for them, it works out conveniently well. However, we have never really enjoyed that method. Uh, we well, don't, we also can't right now. We've well, got a freezer. Well, we don't have a freezer big enough. We could get a chest freezer or a bigger freezer if we wanted to. However, we have tried to do that sort of frozen style in the past. We just don't enjoy it. It doesn't really work for us. What works for us and the way we live is to do it uh, sort of more regularly. So obviously as well with me, I've just mentioned in the previous point about what you know, how we prepare our food is that fact that I eat mostly fresh vegetables that I chop and then I'll roast or I'll put in stir fries and things like that. So obviously there I have to then do food prep more often um, and because I don't freeze that food. So uh, we will do food prep a couple of times a week only because we obviously make food and we don't freeze it. So we put it in the fridge. So it's only going to last a certain amount of time. So we've sort of got that down to a fine science now where we can know exactly how much we can cook so we don't waste it. Uh, so it's not going to go off by the time we get through it. That was a problem I used to have a lot. So I would cook too much food and then I wouldn't get through it before it would go off in the fridge. Um, so that was a bit of trial and error for me to try to figure out, okay, how much then do I need to cook before it's going to go off so I don't waste food. There's nothing that annoys me more than wasting food. Wasting money, um, isn't it? Exactly. So that was a bit of a trial and error to work out that. But once we sort of got that down pat now, it's it's very simple for us. It works in with our, with our lifestyle every week. Uh, so it's not sort of putting us out, whereas obviously that doesn't work for everyone. Um, some people really only prefer to do a sort of a major food prep once a week or once every two weeks. So it works, it works. It works for you. Um, so we just store most of our stuff in containers. Matt's obviously his uh, frozen vegetables are in the freezer. We've got berries as well that live in the freezer. We buy frozen berries for our smoothies that we make. Um, so they live in the freezer. We have in the fridge we'll have actually the only other thing that we do put in the freezer for sometimes are bread so sometimes i'll freeze bread um you really have it i very very rarely have it so then obviously if i need a slice or two then i'm not gonna like waste the entire loaf and i don't eat gluten so i buy the gluten-free bread so rather than waste it i'll often freeze it um in the freezer so there might sometimes be some some bread in our freezer or, or if we've got sort of extra mints or if we've bought um, meat on special because it's going to go out of date, you know, with uh, fairly soon, we'll put that in the freezer. Um, we'll buy it cheap and put it in the freezer until we want to use it. Um, and then in our fridge, we just keep all of the regular stuff, um, so your condiments and everything like that. But then Matt, when he cooks his chicken or his uh, hamburgers on the barbecue, We'll just put them in individual containers. So he'll put all the hamburgers in one container. He'll put all the chicken in one container. I'll do the same thing. I'll have my stir fry in one container. Um, lately, I've been cooking a bit of a, a sort of a, a homemade sort of a chicken bolognese. Um, I'll put that in one container. I'll put my roast vegetables in a different container. So everything's kept separate. Pumpkins kept separate. Sweet potatoes kept separate. If we've cooked rice, we'll keep that in a separate container. Um, 
yeah, everything then is kept separate. So then we can just go into the fridge, we grab out the containers of what we want, and then we make up our meal from that. All right, so a final question for you. And I'll, I'll answer after, after yourself. What are your favorite cooking tools? If you, what will be your probably your top three? Personally. Tools for cooking? Yes. Well, definitely the barbecue. Um, I would say the fry pan because you could do so much. You can do so much with a good fry pan. Like even if you don't even have like a regular pot, like you can still do so much with a fry pan, especially if you have a really good fry pan that comes with a lid. Um, and I would say the third one would be my oven. I couldn't live without my oven now. I, I for me, it was, it was almost a sweep then. You almost had the same as me. Uh, barbecue, slow cooker. Yeah. And fry pan. Yeah. Yep, definitely our go-tos. But I think um, we've, we've sort of kept our kitchen really simple now. We uh, When we moved, we threw a lot of the stuff out that we just didn't need. So I think now, like if we to, to wrap sort of this up, maybe if we're giving advice to you or maybe where to start, um, I would just start by looking at your cupboards and start looking at what you think that you don't need. Yeah, what's not essential to having a kitchen function as a kitchen? Definitely get rid of things that you don't need. Um, if you've got a slow cooker or, or, or different tools, methods, uh, cooking methods like that that you have never used, look into recipes and just start using them. I think you would find that it's really going to help your experience in the kitchen. I know when a lot of people start to focus on what they're eating, um, they realize that they can't, they don't have the convenience all the time of just getting takeaway. So a lot of people tend to say to me, oh, I really don't like cooking. Um, some people love it, which is great. A lot of people don't like it. So nope. being able to utilize those sort of uh, easier cooking methods is really going to be a life changer, I think, for you in the kitchen. Um, and definitely just pay more attention, I would say, to everyone who's starting out. Pay more attention to what you like, what you don't like. And in terms of like what you're saying with Matt, how he found a method of cooking frozen vegetables that he likes. So you might have frozen vegetables and you might be like, Matt, you boil them and you hate them. Just try out maybe a different cooking method. So it might not be necessarily that you hate vegetables. It might just be the way that you you cook them or what spices you use or what what you put on them there's so many different flavors you can use and things like that so really just experiment um i think variety that you you're eating variety is the key tip there is just to try different methods of preparing your foods but also try different combinations so as as we spoke about before for me i had to go through a number of different ways with my frozen vegetables until i found one that's actually delicious Mm. and i actually look forward to having it but it can be the same thing with how you sort of add variety to, to your meals. So getting lots of color in there. So one thing I was guilty of, I think both of us were, when we were younger, is the color on our plates was very limited. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Maybe maybe two, three different colors. Yep. Where I try and have as many colors as is humanly possible mm-hmm. per meal. Because every color you see is, you know, nutrients that the body's going to use yeah they all come with their own benefits yeah absolutely and then you can try different uh herbs and spices yeah absolutely as well to add things that's why i found that as i said before the half teaspoon of chili paste really gives a bit of kick Mm. to to my meals without going too far over the top because i'm a bit soft when it comes to 
to hot foods. Yeah. Uh, but you know, different different sorts of uh, herbs and spices. And can I give a bit of love to uh, Himalayan rock salt? Yeah. A fantastic little addition to each meal that I have. Um, that just uh, adds a bit more, bit more sort of uh, oomph to the taste, and I just love it. And I think as well, just experimenting with how you like to store your food. Yeah. A lot of people say to us, "Oh, it's okay for you guys. You work from home most of the time to be able to do multiple cookups every week." Yeah, that's true. You know, at the same time, yeah. I mean, we're busy people, but at the same time, we are home more often than the average person because our office is at home. So. That, that and that works for us, but we're not saying that you have to do multiple cookups every week. You have to cook all of your food fresh at the time. So find a way that suits you. It might be doing those big cookups, and you might have a big freezer that you can store them all. You might yeah. just do your protein cookups in bulk and save your vegetables for the time, or add it to a salad or something like that. So there's a lot of different ways you can do it. It's just about not putting limitations on yourself, putting yourself in a box and saying, oh, I've got to do it like this. No, you don't. Try no. different things and work out what suits you. Yeah, you've got to go through the sort of the mud. Yeah, the, the trial start. and error. Yeah, mm. to figure out what, what works and ultimately what you can sustain. If deep down you know that what you're doing is unsustainable, it's going to fail. Yeah. So take the time at the start, make your mistakes, go through the frustrations to figure out you know, what, what ways of storing, preparing, etc., work for you. And then if you can sustain it and you like it and it feels good in terms of you know, health, energy levels, etc., don't change. Mm. There's, there, Courtney's right. There is no right or wrong. Actually, there is a right or wrong. The wrong way is the way you can't sustain. Yeah. So I reckon we'll put a bow on that one. Yeah. So well done. Well done. Let's, have we got an email? We do have an email. Oh, yeah. Email time. Doodaloo, doodaloo. There it is. The uh, high budget music yeah. effects. Yeah. Email comes to us. Wait, where can we be emailed? Uh, podcast at theweightlosspodcast.com. Or, or you can send us a message through our Facebook page, which is just The Weight Loss Podcast. Righto. So our email comes to us from Danielle. Thanks, Danielle, for sending in your email. Greatly appreciated. Yes. Uh, hi, Matt and Courtney. There's that uh, name of mine first. Yeah, that's fine. Yours is shorter. Uh, love your podcast. I'd like to suggest a topic. The topic of uh, training and maintaining your body through pre, during, and post-pregnancy. Oh, great topic. Would like to learn more about healthy weight gain during pregnancy and losing it afterwards. Thank you, Danielle. Now... I thought about this. Actually, before I continue, what's, what's your immediate reaction to that, Courtney? It's a great topic idea. I would agree entirely because what mum doesn't want to get into great shape? Like, come on. Yeah, And I think as well, there's a lot of, like we talk about weight loss all the time, about how there's such conflicting information out there. Mm. I think I feel, I feel for mums a lot of the time, especially first time mums, because there's so much information out there that is conflicting, I think, for a lot of you. I have never had a child, but I have three older sisters who have all had multiple children, so I can completely understand. Now, the, the, I see two, two ways to approach this, um, or two sort of thoughts that come into my mind. The first one is you and I can only speak to this on a limited basis. Yes. We yes. can't really speak to it with empathy in terms of I have never been pregnant. I have never been pregnant. And I don't think I ever will be pregnant. There's a better chance of you being pregnant than me. <laughs> Physically, to be yes, fair. that yes. is correct. Yes. Uh, but what I'm getting at is here, you and I are parents. 
No. So we can't speak to this um, empathetically, which immediately to me gets me a bit wary. Yes. Now, I have worked with people uh, during ladies through pregnancy before, so I can speak to it from a technical trainer's standpoint. However, I think for now with this topic, it's one we need to look at. Yes. 100%. I think we need to have someone on the show with us. Oh, absolutely. We'll find somebody who is going to be able to speak on this topic uh, extensively um, along with us. And I think that that is definitely a must because, yeah, as you said, Matt, we're not parents. I have never been pregnant. So the best thing to be able to do, we obviously know the uh, science behind it, but to be able to actually have somebody that can talk uh, a little bit more in depth about it will be helpful, Someone I who's think. who's walked... Who's walked that path? Yeah, well, That's what we're about. the science is definitely relevant because it's obviously there for a reason, but it can also be a little bit boring sometimes. So to be able to have somebody else's voice to be able to um, contribute will be helpful. So fantastic topic. Yes. Indeed. Uh, one that I would like to unpack. I think we'll just put the pressure on ourselves to be fully prepared for it. So... Well, I can't say that so we don't half-ass it because what we do is half-ass things. We That's... will find somebody to help with that topic that can bring a little bit of real-world experience to it. Yeah. Um, whereas all we're going to be able to be do is bring the study well, uh, I can, I can side speak from the it. trainer's perspective, yeah. but I want to have maybe even one of our, our clients that's been pregnant, mm. um, some, some sort of like literally person who's been through it um, to, to give that sort of in-the-trenches viewpoint yeah definitely i'm really just talking from a a boring as fuck technical standpoint absolutely so great email danielle thank you very much uh any further emails we would like to hear from you please email us at podcast at the weightlosspodcast.com or as courtney said before you can find us on facebook at the weight loss podcast we love to get feedback yeah, absolutely. No and what it is. And topic ideas. So thanks, Danielle, for that yeah, that's awesome fantastic. topic idea. It is Greatly a great idea. Yep. And we will work on that one and we will add it to the um, list of upcoming episodes. So let's call it a show. Absolutely. Well done, dear. Well done to you too. Hopefully, I hope that helps. Yeah, hopefully this has helped. Uh, if not, just you know who to blame. So <laughs> have yourself a good one and we'll speak to you soon. Bye. Get more free tips, listen to previous episodes and contact Matt and Courtney at theweightlosspodcast.com.